Hey, Paul, how's it going? How, how are you doing? Yeah, all right. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you because it was such a flawlessly done intro. But we, of course, the, the Southampton game was actually away from home. Because I think even was. even we wouldn't get a manager sacked for failing to beat us at home. Although Mark Hughes, of course, did get sacked for failing to beat us. I mean, it really does at, come to something. What I was it? about to call St. Mary's. Is that the new one or the old one? That's the yeah, new one. Yeah, isn't it? St. Mary's. Yeah, the Dell was the old one. Yeah, of course where the stands were basically on the pitch. <laughs> and so was Matt Letizia, and all was well with the world. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, amazing. It really does. It's some kind of commentary about the current state of United, I felt, or maybe it was just my negative perception of it, that Hughes <laughs> got sacked because he didn't beat us. I mean, what would have happened if uh, Southampton had beaten us? So what, they'd have waited a week to appoint their new manager because they clearly had the new guy in the bag already. Yeah, it felt like actually what this was really about was not making the new guy's first game be against United, to be honest. Although you might as well have, to be fair. That's I a mean, free shot, isn't it? Things are looking a bit brighter now because we've just beaten Fulham 4-1. Um, but this was this was some kind of nadir, wasn't it? Once again, United fight back and kind of uh, almost, you could say, like borderline impressively. But the capitulation in the first period of that game was genuinely embarrassing, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it was awful, wasn't it? Uh, and and just, I mean, until uh, Lukaku got that first one back, it just didn't look like there was anything coming from United at all. You know, they were arguing with each other on the pitch and the heads went down almost immediately. Uh, Southampton, you know, the worst team in the league, well, maybe apart from Fulham, <laughs> Uh, and uh, how they were two up uh, in twenty minutes, you know, it was just it was just completely shocking. Um, I, I'm struggling. It's that long since we've actually recorded one of these podcasts. I can't quite remember the first goal exactly uh, how it happened. So Can you? It kind of rebounded out to Lukaku, um, and he he put in a really nice finish. Yeah, no, um, no. I mean, the first Southampton goal. Oh yeah, um, was the first one the one that was uh, so actually quite a neat passing move, and then it was fired right. in from a tight-ish angle. That's right. Yeah, and then Suarez, you know, stuck it in top bins um, for the second, uh, which which actually made me laugh by the end of the game because Southampton had what five or six free kicks in really good areas around the box. Uh, you know, the first one Suarez, you know, scores an absolute worldie. He's a central defender. Not a single other one they allowed him to take. You know, everyone else wanted to have a go too, didn't they? All wanted to be heroes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, brilliant free kick. Uh, slightly foolishly given away, if I remember um, rightly. That game. Uh, it was a really weird affair because because then there was that little fight back. Um, the Lukaku goal from the rebound, as I said, that fantastic and the Herrera goal, just a, just a completely brilliant flick and both assists by Marcus Rashford, who I think is worthy of special praise for his performances in the last uh, last little bit of time after coming in for a lot of stick for missing chances. Um, he's been... Yeah, and, and look, some of the stick that Rashford gets is fair because he does miss chances or has been missing chances this season uh, and some of his totally unfair because actually he's he's one of the players that you know really is trying hard but doesn't uh, always um get a you know a seamless run in the team does he because he's competing with other players for a spot um and really gets a run in i guess the position he'd really like to play which is you know through the middle uh, but yeah uh, was it four assists and a goal in the last week or so 
Uh, yeah, something something like that, I think. Uh, how many assists did he get against? Yeah, yeah, four assists and a goal um, since we last recorded a podcast for Marcus Rashford. So not not bad going. And two goals in three games for Romelu Lukaku too, which is worth saying given that he could not buy a goal before that. But, I mean, not that I wouldn't say that he's actually been playing well for any of that time. The Herrera goal against Southampton, beautiful. The the flick from between his legs, just, just excellently executed. Great vision from Rashford to pick him out. But the really, apart, there, there were sort of, there's three things about this game. The first is how badly we started. The second is how well we played between going two down and, and getting to two all. And the third is what a complete disaster we were in the second half of that game where we just offered absolutely nothing, I thought. It was like, atrocious second half performance from United five shots in the whole of the second half considering we were you know in in desperate need of of a goal and a a win yeah uh that's right I mean you you kind of felt that the uh the momentum coming out of the first half would really have played into United going forward in the second half Uh, I mean we've talked a lot about United's comebacks this season or over the last season and a half or so uh, and a lot of them are based on desperation in a way this was as well it's just the desperation came a lot earlier and and maybe that was the problem because we couldn't sustain it uh, in into the second half I, I don't know but yeah d- desperately desperately poor uh, and of course you know it definitely wasn't the manager's fault that it was all the players fault uh, Mourinho made sure we understood that after the game and uh, I believe everything he says because he never lies to us uh, and always accepts responsibility uh, where is due? I mean, especially when it comes to the performance of his players. Listen, there were injuries, right? We we get that there were injuries, and and uh, a number of inju- injuries concentrated in a specific position. But his response to those injuries was to play a back three, the back three we've all been waiting for, of Phil Jones, Scott McTominay, and Nemanja Matic. I mean, I mean, this is this is the. Um, not so much back me or sack me as please, 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 please sack me. Please, please sack me, please sack me, please sack me. I don't want to be here anymore. Please sack me. <laughs> well, he did it against West Ham before, didn't he? And uh, Not he both tried... of them, though. Not both no, Matic no. and McTominay in the same back three. Uh, magic. I mean, you know, just uh, he's, he's he's looking for players to be able to pass it out of the back. He's looking for, <laughs> uh, you know, total football. Uh, he's 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 rejected... Uh, this notion of parking the bus and just being a reactionary manager uh, and he's gone to the Ajax school. That's what it was all about, Paul. Uh, it may well have been all about that. And then afterwards, after that game, this is a long time ago now, isn't it? So breaking down the specifics of the dreadful football is probably a bit redundant. Um, uh, Mourinho, uh, uh, he, he talked about not having enough mad dogs in the team after Arsenal. Well, I think that was after Arsenal, wasn't it? Um it was after this one that he said... I think it was after the Southampton game he talked about bad dogs. Right, OK. This was also dogs, the game yeah. where he talked about the beauty of simplicity, though, wasn't it? Because yes. the beauty of simplicity was the public line about Paul Pogba. Uh, the players need to learn there's beauty in simplicity. Pogba was dreadful in this game, by the way. Absolutely dreadful. That completely deserved personal opprobrium for his performance in this game. But afterwards, um, Duncan Castles publishes a story that says... Paul Pogba is a virus, or or he said, the story says that Mourinho has said to Pogba in the dressing room after the game, "You're a virus. You infect everyone around you. Those who want to play, etc., etc., etc." I mean, 
has ever a man been more in need of a mirror and a microscope to <laughs> to see a virus in its reflection? <laughs> yeah, logistically that might be a bit difficult, but yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, not not one for self reflection, really, Mourinho is he? Um, look, uh, yeah, Pogba had a bad game against Southampton, but uh, did everyone else in midfield or the rest of the team have a good game? Is that what we're saying? Do we really believe that? No, Pogba killed them all because he's a virus infecting infecting great honest pros like Maran Fellaini. Yeah, uh, I, I, there were a number of people who made the same joke on Twitter, so I can't really tell you the original source of this, but I think uh, didn't someone... I, I may have sent you the original one, I can't remember. Someone said, uh, if Pogba's a virus, then uh, Mourinho is a terminal illness. No, he, it was it was Gaz from Full Time Devils. He ah, said, that's if right. Pogba's a virus, then the Maniamatic is a terminal illness. Oh, totally, totally screwed it up, but yes. <laughs> Yes, no, I think that's fair as well. Um, uh, but Matic has been dreadful for a year and a half, but you know, so we know he's he's completely devoid of uh, any criticism for Matic, isn't he, Mourinho? But uh, you know, he he lays it all on thick, lays it on thick for his favourites or lack of favourites. Anyway, so the the thing about that story is like it was Duncan Castles that published it. And so that means it's approved by Gestafite, you know? That's what, I mean, okay, don't sue me, don't sue us, Duncan. I, I, maybe there was not technically approval from Gestafite, but let's say, let's, let's be well, more... Where has the message come from? It was very well sourced. It was likely to be very well sourced to serve a specific interest, let's say. Mm-hmm. And it was really gross. And if it, if it's true verbatim, then Mourinho should be sacked for gross misconduct for undermining one of United's most valuable assets. Yeah, well, Mourinho clearly wants him out of there. Uh, and and there was a second story, a follow-up story this week, which was also also published by Castles, which said, you know, what does, Mourinho, what does Pogba have to do to get back in the team? Uh, which was basically about, you know, putting in as much effort as the rest of the players and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, read between the lines. This is do what your manager says. I, I did think it was interesting that the retort apparently from Pogba uh, to the virus line was, and and you're suffocating this team. Right. Yeah, good line. Uh, and very true, of course. Honestly, I can't wait till Mourinho is not manager of Man United anymore. It's it's just horrible. I just, uh, I just, I hate watching us. I hate it when we lose and when we win. It's like, oh great, yeah, that's extended that for that's papered over the cracks. Um, yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, you know, the the win the wins come at the right time for the manager, don't they? And and don't get me wrong, I want United to win, you know, ten nil every week. It might get boring at some point. But. <laughs> It would take a very long time for me to get bored of that. So, you know, I want us to smash it all the time and win everything. But that's not happening. Uh, and us smashing a team every few weeks in between really awful, narrow wins uh, and devastating losses is not, it's not you know, good, is it? Uh, and I know exactly what you're saying. You know, we, we smashed Fulham 4-1 and I, there's a little voice at the back of my head cynically saying, yeah, Mourinho's going to be around for a bit longer and I can't go on Twitter for a few hours because there's going to be a bunch of nutcases going on. Yeah, see, 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 we're back. I mean, anyone that's sincerely doing that after a 4-1 win over a team that was so, like, 
just nothing-y. Um, <laughs> needs to have a look at themselves. I, the weird one for me was the Arsenal game because that, you know, you described it as an exciting game, which I suppose is technically true, but it was like, I don't know, it looked kind of like two drunk people fighting to me, <laughs> that game. Like it was, yeah, that's pretty exciting. It, I, I'd pay to watch that. It's sport, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and, and basically, most of the drunk people fighting was just Marcus Rojo. Um, oh. Talk about the mad dog. Yeah, it definitely was after Southampton where he said we lacked a couple of mad dogs because, yeah, this is Marcus Rocco going full mad dog when he tried to kneecap someone. He really took his manager's advice to heart, didn't he? So in this game, we went 1-0 down and then equalised almost immediately um, through a Tony Marshall goal, which that's always lovely to see. And then... Um, we went 2-1 down and really seriously equalised almost immediately through Jesse Lingard, like barely had the dust settled. Yeah, um, and, and I guess we should talk about the first Arsenal goal because it was a, it was a, yeah, a pretty bad mistake from David De Gea and we're oh, not used God. to seeing it, but it was a, it was a proper, it was a Spain-style Rick, wasn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. Because it never talk, happens talk... for United, but it happens every other game for Spain. You said the other day that um, you wouldn't be surprised if his head's gone a little bit. And this was, I mean, has he? When was the last time he made a mistake like that for United? I mean, I guess some people were very critical of the Aguero goal, weren't they? But that's not even close to being comparable to this. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, rem- I don't remember. Um, this, this was a huge rick, but they come along less than once a season of this nature. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but they should. They listen. He's David de Gea, right? He's the He's a superhero in human form. He's the springiest llama on the planet. He has the reflexes of a, you know, hyperactive superhero. Um, but this is that's that should come along naught times ever in a goalkeeper's professional career, shouldn't it? True, but it, like but it always, yeah, I know, but it always does. Yeah, right. They all make some mistakes. I mean, I think the exciting part about this game, apart from you know the the nature of the goals either way was the fact that United at least felt like there was something a bit more there was a bit more oomph about them I mean I'm sure Mourinho enjoyed it more and uh and and, you know the the Twitter crowd enjoyed it more because there was passion wasn't there passion and soul in fact that might have been something Mourinho said afterwards saying there was passion and soul and something like that I think he did say exactly that um so yeah I get that the quality, on the other hand, wasn't awesome, was it? Um, the the game was pretty scrappy. I, I think I remember seeing uh, neither team had particularly good passing stats in this one. Uh, a lot of defensive mistakes on on uh, both sides, wasn't wasn't there? Um, or oh, Marcus Rocco made a mistake as well as David de Gea. I mean, I was uh, just going to say, like we talked about the de Gea mistake. If we're going to talk about that, we've got to talk about that second Arsenal goal and what a. Just an omni shambles that was Rocco <laughs> yeah. giving the ball to them, and then just every every decision made by every United player in the split seconds after that, compounding that terrible error. And yeah, well, let's talk about it. I mean, uh, Rocco gave the ball away. Everyone ran past Matic. Uh, Smalling, what is Smalling doing in that one? I remember thinking there were three of them. Yeah, uh, maybe it's Bai. Um, but yeah, you know, complete tangle of of uh of mistakes from everybody but you know we we see this from united far too often this season how many goals have have we conceded now like 25 or something in the league 
it's it's a shed load, of course. But and and after by the end of the Arsenal game, we were fifteen games into the season with negative goal difference. Ah, but that has all changed. <laughs> it is uh, no longer the case. We've reached the glory land, the promised land of positive goal difference. We are positive goal difference FC, as um, Nick from Monday United Youth called us. Um, it just it just took the sixteen games to crawl back out of there. Um, we'll see how long it lasts after <laughs> we got Liverpool on the weekend. Anyway, yeah, exactly. After you get completely bummed by Liverpool at the weekend. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's probably worth saying that United scored from basically the only two decent chances they created, and every other chance they created is like less than 0.1 xg, um, and there weren't that many of them either. So, like, even though this was, you know, you said the kind of Twitter atmosphere was better. One thing for sure, the atmosphere in the ground was sounded amazing, you know, and everyone that I've spoken to that was at the game said the the atmosphere in the, in the ground was amazing and I had a bit of a chat about it on full-time devils actually um after after that game so I did their Fulham preview and um and you know there was a bit of a discussion about Eric Bailly kind of geeing up the crowd and obviously the crowd react to Marcus Rocco who somehow managed to put a two foot footer in in the opposition box yeah, <laughs> and I just <laughs> Absolutely magical that moment was. <laughs> it really it was special. He's a special, special player. He really is. Um, he's got something about him. There, there were loads of yellow cards in that game. They all seemed to happen within a couple of minutes. And I was watching on the TV and I think it was Steve McManaman who was just fuming at all the yellow cards. And every single one of them was 100% a yellow card, you know. Yeah, I, I watched this one. I was in Argentina uh, last week, so I, I watched it there. Um, I, I'm, I, I would say that the uh, locals weren't getting quite as riled up about this game as they may have been about their little local derby <laughs> that was happening this week. Um, you mentioned, though, uh, Marcus Rashford not getting a chance to play in his favourite position, but I guess in the two games that we've talked about so far, he did, because played back three in both of these games with two strikers. True. Um, and Lukaku uh, didn't start, did he, in the Arsenal game? Um, and he came on He came on late. I think he started against Southampton, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. It was Martial and Rashford who played up front for Arsenal. And yeah, then not, yeah, against Luka- Arsenal. Lukaku coming on, yeah. Yeah, and then Lukaku started up front on his own. Um, the the following week, uh, the following game against Fulham. So so a, a couple of games as centre forward for Rashford, and and you know he's obviously been very productive, and he was very busy in in the Arsenal game when he didn't get a goal or an assist. Um, it was a weird game. It was it you know Mourinho had said he wanted more mad dogs, and there were there were mad dogs all over the pitch. Um, you know uh, Diego Dallo, who we should talk about, made his uh, Premier League first Premier League start against yeah. Arsenal. Yeah, he he did. Okay, he looks exciting going forward. He got himself out of position an awful lot going back. Uh, and I guess uh, m- maybe that's all we can expect from him. How old is he? 19, 20, something I mean, like that. And also he's playing at wing back rather than full back in that game. So it is it is a different discipline, isn't it? And, and a Well, look, if you're, if you're playing at wing back, you need a lot of legs in midfield. Uh, and we're playing Nemanja Matic. <laughs> so, because someone's got to cover, right? Yeah. If you're going, someone's got to cover and... Yeah. Uh, this is part of United's problem. So, effectively, we have to play five at the back. Yeah, I mean, it was it was Ando, wasn't it, that was really doing the covering. Um, an interesting midfield three of Herrera, Lingard and Matic. Um, Pogba, the Pogba talk wasn't just talk. He hasn't played since. Um, and United have got a kind of positive draw against Arsenal. Although, honestly, I think we were rubbish in that game. I thought we tried hard and... 
you know, there were there were a few moments of quality, but I, re- I really thought that was a, a more or less you could say that was a bad performance. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and uh, the the narrative that came out of it, of course, was that United were better and there was a bit more heart and soul and and all of that kind of stuff. But the the quality defensively was horrendous, uh, and going forward was not enough. I mean, XG of um, uh, what was it? Sorry, just one looking point, it up one point three three, which is about standard for United. <laughs> and that's that is a that is an ugly, damning thing to say about a football team of United with the expectations that United have on them with the attacking resources that United have at their disposal. And uh-huh. then we and then we beat Fulham 4-1 and you said you know every so often we smash someone but this is the first time we've smashed anyone all season. This is um is it even have we even beaten anyone by two clear goals this season? Uh, I'm going to say no. No. I this don't think young so. boys young boys away was the last time we beat anyone by two clear goals and and we've not beaten anyone in the Premier League by two clear goals before this game and we've had plenty of teams who we should have been beating by two clear goals. Um uh, but finally we found someone who was rubbish enough to make us look good and we did look in that first half Really, 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 really good. Being 3-0 up at half-time, what a feeling. How unusual is that? Well, very unusual. Uh, very unusual, and uh, I, th- I guess we have to be thankful for the fact that Fulham are completely bobbins, aren't they? You know, just a, just a really, really bad team, and uh, Ranieri has got a hell of a job on his hands to save them because well, well, how many points have they got now? Nine points. Uh, all their fundamentals are completely dreadful. Uh, they they can't look to the in the data to the, some kind of regression to the mean that they're suddenly going to be saved. Uh, he is after Fulham spent what 100 million pounds on new players in the summer. Uh, he has got a hell of a job because they look down already. Although of course you know they're not because they're, they're one winner from being out of the bottom three. But it, it doesn't look like they'll be picking an awful lot of points up. Um, anytime soon, uh, and and United took full advantage, uh, and and the players that look good in games where um, there's nothing coming from the opposition sort of did well. You know, Nemanja Matic had a, a decent game because he he was under no pressure whatsoever at any point in this game. Game he was able to get the ball and just pass it around, which is of course the thing he wants. What he doesn't want is anyone actually running at him or he has to actually do anything defensively. Uh, because he offers absolutely nothing. Then um, Herrera was busy in midfield. You know, United but, took a real, you know, really dominant in, in in midfield in this game, which is unusual because aren't normally dominant against anybody. But had, you know, what, had sixty odd percent possession uh, and and lively up front with you know Rashford scoring and assisting and and Mata looking good too. Um, so yeah, all good all round. Five tackles and nine interceptions for Ander Herrera in that game. That's Surprised he had to make that many tackles. Yeah. Fulham didn't offer much, did they? Nine interceptions is a massive number, isn't it? You don't, you don't often. Those are that's like Angolo Kante on a good day numbers. That is, um, yeah. Uh, the the goals were nice. Um, the Juan Mata goal I thought was delightful. The Rashford pullback and the Mata side foot. Um, that was a particularly enjoyable one. Ashley Youngs was obviously a, a proper worldie of a belter, but Marcus Rashford, not to be undone, scored the same goal but from further out. And I nerded out 
because I put in the Rankcast WhatsApp group a guess of what the XG on that goal would be, and it was exactly the uh, marked XG on Understat, which was 0.03. So yeah. uh, it's fair to say it's fairly speculative effort from Rashford. <laughs> a long way out uh, at an angle, and uh, keepers shouldn't be beaten on that side, really. <laughs> no, he really, really should not. Um I thought, by the way, Fulham's penalty was 100% a penalty because I think Herrera's knee clashes into the striker's knee before he takes the ball. Ah, ah, you've gone soft, you have. <laughs> That's proper mad dog tackle, that was. Great defence. Like, let's just turn this into basketball, shall we? No, you just can't smash the striker's knee with your knee on the way to getting the ball. Totally fair. Totally fair. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, was it? <laughs> let's face it. Um, but also particularly unfair, I thought, was the sending off of Angelisa, who the, the, the tackle, the second tackle, the second yellow card tackle, ended up looking really bad because Rashford, I don't think, dived. I think he kind of leapt out of the way of the tackle, anticipating something that wasn't quite there. And it looked like Angelisa had sent him flying up in the air, but he really hadn't. Um, I thought that was very, very unlucky. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, uh, coming so soon as well, you know, uh, just as they thought they were getting back into it. But yeah, Suck, sucks to be them, doesn't it? Because uh, United are back, we're great again, we're making, <laughs> making United great again. Mourinho's the top manager, we always knew him to be, uh, and City ought to get worried. Uh, Diego Dello was real good in this game. Uh, yeah, uh, and and look, um, the kind of game that uh, suits him, obviously, because he wasn't under any defensive pressure. Uh, so none of the, the kind of raw parts of his game uh, exposed at all. And, and the thing he does really well is um, use that pace uh, and get into great positions and put in some really good crosses. Yeah. I mean, really good crosses. I mean, more crosses in this game than Antonio Valencia has done for years, I think. Well, you've got to put crosses in against Fulham at Old Trafford, haven't you? Yeah, we, not the eighty-one. No. How, how many crosses did we put in? I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I haven't got the data, but I, I think it was a lot less than eighty-one. Do you want me to find out? It won't take me very long. Here we go. It's a lot. Twenty-five. Actually. You know, twenty-five. It's, it's crosses. like a decent number of crosses, but they're all from the fullbacks, aren't they? I mean, one matter put in a few, but but more or less all of them from the fullbacks. Eight from Dello and nine from Ashley Young. Um. I don't think you can draw any conclusions from anything about that game whatsoever, except that we're still better than Fulham. We kind of knew that beforehand. Well, just about. Well, I sort of thought we were better than Southampton and Crystal Palace as well, but it turned out that was not the case. But then also I thought that Arsenal were better than us, and apparently they're not. They're the same. It's so funny how doesn't matter what's happening at United, doesn't matter what's happening at Arsenal, we are still weirdly their kryptonite. David Moyes' um only victory against a decent side was against Arsenal, wasn't it? And uh, Lou Van Gaal, of course, I think he had Arsenal's number. Um, maybe we lost one game to them. But anyway, we, we very we're rarely... Ch- we're chasing them down. We're only two wins away from them now. <laughs> two, only two wins away from the top four. You know, amazing. Could be, isn't could it? be there. We could be, we could be third by Christmas. Yeah, yeah, or just absolutely. after or the new year. Could be third by the new year, chasing City down, who are slipping fast. I mean, it is it is nice, isn't it, that we're we're now we now are actually in the top six. Although Everton have got a game in hand on us, are three points behind and have considerably got better goal difference than us. Because I'm just I'm I'm looking I'm staying positive. <clears throat> what are there five or six games um, until 
uh, until uh, until sort of you know the end of the Christmas period, early January. Uh, if we win all our games and City lose all theirs, we might even get into second. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, also Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal would have to lose almost all of theirs too. Could happen. Yeah, it could. Um, so, or, or we could lose our next game at the weekend and uh, be behind. Bournemouth and be down to eighth again, and have negative goal difference again. Um, the the fact that our goal difference is plus two after sixteen games of the season is mad. I mean, it's not quite as mad as the fact that we still had negative goal difference after fifteen games of the season. But uh, I'm not going to stop talking about this until it looks respectable because it, it's just so it's so ridiculous. Mourinho is doing such a terrible job of managing Manchester United. I just I, I do feel like such a broken record about this at this point. But I I, I genuinely don't understand his supporters. The the only thing I I can think is that that people kind of invested so much hope in him that um they're just refusing to shift out of you know they'll blame Pogba they'll blame the Glazers they'll blame Woodward they'll blame the kit man they'll blame the press they'll blame whoever it is mm. but, but yeah um, <clears throat> excuse me I, I think you're right it's a coalition and I think that coalition is formed from different things so there are people who will just defend the job he's doing uh, for whatever reason, you know, the Mourinho truthers, uh, and it's nuts because it's entirely based on something he did years ago uh, and because I don't think the cup victories United got had anything to do with the real progress uh, of the team. Um, there are people who are different. They hate the Glazers and Woodward so much uh, that they're prepared to defend Mourinho as a result. And, that, you know, I find some sympathy with that because uh, I, I think the club is being run as a commercial entity and Woodward has done a terrible job at creating any kind of structure uh, on the football side of the business uh, and uh, that antiquated structure together with a transfer policy that just looks at shiny, shiny things and doesn't seem to have any kind of red thread running through it. Um, it is creating the conditions for the manager, any manager, to fail and not to do a great job. With all those caveats, dot, 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 Mourinho's still doing a job, a really, really, really job, um, because I think there are probably half a dozen managers in the league that would do uh, a better job or get United higher up the league with the amount of talent that he's got in the team. Yeah, and would be less life-sapping to pay attention to, which is really all I'm looking for at this point. You know, trophies are fine, but I just don't want to cry when man the after every manager's press conference uh the, the classic before the um fulham game was uh fred will play again when there's more security in defense um and uh, as friend of the show i think it was friend of the show carl anker put on twitter fred will play when the defense is more secure is the new the beatings will stop when morale improves <laughs> yeah that's right um Hey, of course, uh, Fred might improve the security of the defence if he came into the team instead of Matic. I mean, he's not a defensive midfielder, but he couldn't exactly do less defending than Nemanja Matic. Man of the match, by the way. Man of the match oh. in the Arsenal game. Yeah. McManaman absolutely losing the run of himself and giving uh, giving Nemanja Matic run of, man of the match in the Arsenal game. I, It really was one of those where you're like, what? Somebody said this to me, but I I can't. I mean, I think everyone must have had the same thing. Like, what game did you just watch? Like, 
I, I think there, there's probably like four Arsenal players more deserving of man in the match than the man in the match. Oh, Mkhitaryan scored an absolutely worldy offside banger at Old Trafford again. Been a while since we saw one of those. But this time it was actually disallowed. Um, he was he was offside and he swung his boot at it from Marco Van Basten angles and smashed yes. it into the net. Yeah, sadly because Sanchez is injured or dropped or whatever, in hamstring injury apparently, uh, he we didn't get to compare who's the biggest loser. <laughs> oh, it's us, Ed. It's definitely us. I mean, me and you, because we choose to talk about this every week. Um, well, I say every week. Sorry about the delay. It was because Edward was in Buenos Aires. Uh, well, yeah. well, a little bit, a little bit. I, I got kind of, you know, I, I thought we'd agreed that we were going to record on the Saturday night, but you were out partying, I think caning you, it. I think caning you made that it. up. I, I def- did not make it up. I definitely wasn't caning it. <laughs> anyway, so uh, what else did we want to talk about? The United's women who were winning and scoring millions of goals and not conceding any goals ever, uh, lost away at Durham. Uh, and a lot of people saying that Durham are actually the, the kind of toughest other team in that division. Yeah, and it's made it really tight at the top of that, that division now, you know, just a couple of points separating three teams, three um, or four teams. So yeah, it, United uh, way top on goal difference, though, at the moment. Uh, with yeah. A ge- with a game in hand over two of the three teams at the top of the Stony table. out. <laughs> Stunning out in order that she can then manage the men's team. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Why not? I'm sure she can double up. I mean, there's no way she'd be doing a worse job. No, absolutely no way she'd be doing a worse job. No, no definitely not. Uh, the uh, I and I, I this is obviously um, uh, poor research on my part or. Uh, old age, one of the two. I can't remember the assistant manager's name now who left a couple Willie, of weeks ago. Willie Kirk. That's right, Willie Kirk. Yes, who's gone to take over at Everton. Bit, bit, you know, bit lightweight of him, him, isn't it? You know, to first job that comes along and Everton, the bottom of the Women's Super League. Uh, and uh, he jumped ship. Outrageous. No loyalty. There's no loyalty in the women's game. It's all about money. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no doubt. <laughs> um, uh, all right, yeah, so um, a hiccup for the women's team, but uh, they've been smashing it in so much this season, I'm sure it won't uh, last very long. Yeah, be interesting to see how they respond because it is always interesting to see um, see how teams that have been on rampant winning streaks cope with losing a game. Uh, but given the nature of their, that particular winning streak, it seems hard to imagine that they're going to collapse. No more games uh, for 2018 for them. Uh, they uh, they get a proper sort of break at this time of year, unlike the men, of course, who have to like play like an amount of football, which means that there's literally no way that the matches can be good. Yay! <laughs> That's right. I was going to say, um, uh, you know, talking of teams that uh, have been on a winning streak of uh, one game, <laughs> are we going to lose when we play Valencia this week? Uh, I mean, this we don't know when this podcast is coming up. I, I I'm just going to. That game also is completely meaningless, thanks to the Marouane Fellaini, uh, the magical moment of Marouane Fellaini pulling out the dramatic last-minute winner against Young Boys. Um, so I don't, 
I mean, it's, I don't care. To be honest, like, I don't care whether we win or lose in games that matter at the moment. So just to be absolutely straight with everyone, there's no chance I'm watching this game. No chance. European goals show all the way for me uh, on that night. All right. So, Ed, have we, uh, have we got any Twitter questions? We've got a few. We've we, we got a few. Um, uh, Andrew McCoy, that's uh, M-A-C-C-A-T-A-Q, on Twitter says, what's the possibility of Wanfield part two? Will Matter even get a look in? He had a good game against Arsenal. Yeah, he really did. And uh, an excellent game against Fulham, of course. Um, so, no. <laughs> I, I guess I'd be not that surprised if he was in the starting eleven. But he if, won't play centrally. If, if, he, no. if he's in the team, he's going to be in one of the wide positions. Of course, he was. He played wide right at Juanfield. Yeah. Um, in in that beautiful, beautiful game. Uh, and I think the only way he plays is if we play a four three three. And I don't think we're going to play a four three three. So I guess no, it seems no. Unlikely. I suppose it's much more likely we're playing a what a seven something something. <laughs> I mean, you know, on paper, I guess I'm expecting a five three two. Yeah, but with two holding. Mm-hmm. Seven. Nicholas Lotter says, please discuss who do you want as the next United manager and what do you expect from him? <laughs> I mean, I um, def- so, I- so if, if we lose like 6-0 to Liverpool, <laughs> uh, does Mourinho get sacked? Well, there, there was a story, wasn't there, this week that um, United are desperate for Pochettino in the summer. Um, and that definitely, definitely would check out with stuff that I've, heard from various reasonably well-placed people uh, I, I definitely think that it certainly would not be at all surprising and I would be absolutely over the moon if we appointed yeah. Pochettino I, I do still hear uh, a lot of people say oh he's never won a trophy Spurs haven't won anything but but does winning a cup mean anything no I tell you what though if he does come to us um in the summer, I really hope they do win a win a trophy under him this season. I, wherever he goes, basically, I really think I just got so much time for the job that he's done at Spurs. I think it's one of the most remarkable achievements in the Premier League era, actually. And and I I do think that there are criticisms that you can level against it. And I I think particularly like the is it two FA Cup semi finals where they've really under delivered. Um, and I suppose you could say it's it's kind of embarrassing to let Leicester win the league ahead of you, but everyone else in the division let Leicester win the league ahead of them, and, and it's not supposed to be Tottenham's job to stop Leicester winning the league, is it? No, that's right. No, it's uh, it's not. And look, he's got a team that plays really well. One criticism, apart from the not winning trophies that you hear, is that, well, look how many talented players he's got and shouldn't he be doing more? But he's crafted those talented players, and he's built them, and he's built the squad, you know, and... And uh, he has helped turn Harry Kane into, you know, one of the world's leading strikers. Um, uh, from being a very good striker to, to being even better than that, uh, they've been they've done reasonably well in Champions League, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, there's no guarantee they qualify this time out. Um, no, but course, they actually but, did but they have a difficult group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've had a difficult group, and there's they still they've still got a, a game to play where they could qualify, um, and uh, and and they more likely than not will make the top four. Although of course that's going to be super tight this season, especially with United coming up fast. <laughs> now we're back again, uh, but yeah, I think he's done a great job. I mean, it'd be a great choice for United, and and much more uh, exciting. 
um, uh, much more chance of really building something, I think, than getting uh, one of the European managers that's been around the European mill a bunch of times. I mean, that would be, I'd be so depressed if we get, uh, you Ancelotti know, or yeah, something. exactly, exactly. Like anything on that level of, of manager, it's got to be someone who might build something. It's just got to be because, because the, the squad isn't ready for an Ancelotti type, you know, it, it needs, there's something, you need someone who is going to have a vision for managing the club because that, because there's no man and, and Pochettino would definitely have that. So that's, I really, yeah. no, there's no guarantee it would be a success. Um, no, but it'd be he, fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. It, but it would, there'd be some hope. With, with the players he's got, wouldn't he get them playing because he'd give them something to be inspired about? A- absolutely. And we don't know what he'd be like in terms of steering transfers, I think it's fair to say. Um, but we do know that he can get the best out of uh upper mid-tier players and and very, very good players. So, yeah, I'd love it. How often in your workplace, asked Curd Rice Aurora on Twitter, does deflection work to the extent it does at MUFC press conferences? <laughs> uh, yeah, I often, I often say to the boss, uh, yeah, it was him over there. Was... <laughs> uh, yeah, never in my line of work. In fact, uh, it's exactly the opposite of what I try and encourage people to do. First, it was Martial. Uh, and now Pogba, who do you think is the next player Mourinho will scapegoat when it's not going well for him? Asked uh, Balfan Ten. Hmm. I don't think. Hey, I don't, is I don't anyone think... in the queue? I mean, he's beat up on Shaw. He's beat up on Pogba. Is he beating up on Sanchez? Sort of, but he's not been like vocally criti- critical of him. Dropped in and then he got injured. I don't think he needs another one. I think Pogba just like he hasn't. Pogba's not new, is he? He did it exactly, almost exactly the same time last season. A bit later last season into the season that he did it to Pogba. Then just does it to Pogba when he needs to, um, and he's going to be gone at the end of the season. So I don't think we're going to have time for another major scapegoat between now and then. Given the correlation between the decline of the UK and the United's fortunes, is the only way out of this mess for both parties uh, for the government to provide a sovereign wealth fund to get United back to the top? Like Abu Dhabi, but with a history of more human rights abuse. I mean, what do you think? Us, Phil C, 1978. Um, um, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think the UK government could uh, get itself out of Brexit by deflecting attention and sticking a billion pounds into a pot for Mourinho to spend on transfers. Uh, they, they may even be hated more if they did that. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Magnus Henderson, Magnus BH, uh, on Twitter says, is Pogba a luxury item or do you, that uh, MUFC do not deserve need right now? No, he's not a luxury item. I hate this. I hate this uh, idea that a player is a luxury. No, he's a world-class player um, uh, whom uh, needs to put in more world-class performances um, than we see for him, see from him, and uh, needs a, a manager who is able to extract those from the player without flipping his lid and and destroying him in the press when he's not able to perform. Yeah, Mourinho having people convinced, I'm not saying Magnus is, but Mourinho having people even suggesting that Pogba's a luxury player is pure Mourinho Machiavellian nonsense. Like, it's, it's crazy. Pogba is... I mean, look at the French World Cup win. 
Pogba is just it was anything but a luxury in that World Cup win. He was an he was a vital, hardworking, diligent, disciplined cog in a machine. Yeah. Very legal and very cool Devin, notorious Dev, says, Do you and Paul ever have a tough time getting exciting getting excited to do a pod after a bad result? Results. Paul doesn't come off as a, a negative person, but you do seem to enjoy drawing parallels between Mourinho and t- Trump. And there's some kind of emoji. Uh, what kind of emoji could you describe it's a, it's it to kind of, It's kind of hands up my, my emoji. Okay. Um, is it, he's like, like saying, please don't, please don't hurt me for saying that. Um, I have found it extraordinarily difficult to get excited to podcast this season in general. Um, but... Whenever we do it, it's super fun to. I love talking to you, Ed. So that's that's why why that's the enjoyment I get out of it. But covering United seems totally redundant at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we've been talking about United for a long time. So what's the point in uh, stopping now? And and the parallels between Mourinho and Trump really nothing to do with the first one. He just does it himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, given the recent team changes with Pogba being on the bench in the midfield seemingly working harder as a unit with Liverpool away coming up on Sunday my question is this do you class Die Hard as a Christmas film? (laughs) Um, Tom Victor uh, a brilliant freelance football and other things writer put an article on Shortlist uh, which was like is Die Hard a Christmas movie? The yes. people have spoken. But then when you click on it, it just says, we had this discussion last year. Go out and do something with your lives. <laughs> <laughs> no, very fair. Uh, Neil Monaghan, who asked that question. And yes, it is a Christmas movie. And didn't we do a whole bonus special for for um, uh, backers on Christmas movies? Did did we not? Am oh, I man. making that up? Oh, uh, yeah, I, like I think we did. we did. That that rings a bell. That, listen, the thing about diet, the, the actual answer and, and to this... And if we didn't, since it's getting quite late in the day, or if we did, can we just copy and paste it into this <laughs> week's show? Um, the thing about the this question is it presumes that Christmas movie is uh, a genre rather than a potential subgenre. So, like, Trading Places isn't a Christmas movie, but it's a comedy with a Christmas component. And Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie in that Christmas is not the central theme of Die Hard, but it is a, uh, an, it's an action, you know how there's action comedies? Well, yeah, Die Hard yeah. is an action Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one because the, there are a bunch of films that are Christmas first and something else second, Yeah, right? So Hallmark Christmas food m- movies, for example, yeah. uh, are... All of the same construct, all of them. So ostensibly they're romantic comedies, but they are all Christmas movies. So I've got a confession to make to the good people of Rankcast listeners. I watched a, what was it? on? I watched an actual good film on Netflix. No, I didn't. No, I was not feeling brilliant and I watched um, Central Intelligence starring The Rock and Kevin yes, Hart. It's bad. Well, you know, it's got some funny bits in it, but yeah, it's bad. And also mad problematic as anything that stars The Rock and Kevin Hart, as you would imagine it would be. It's not a great movie. And then at the end of this, this is really embarrassing. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this voluntarily. I don't have to, but I, I see it seems to be coming out now. So here we go. Um, they showed a trailer for a film called The Princess Switch, which is a Netflix original. Yes, I've seen it. The, <laughs> yes! The- 
I say I've seen it in that um, uh, Mrs. Rant really loves these really bad movies and they're often in the background <laughs> while I'm doing something more important. Right. So I watched, this, I watched this trailer and in the trailer there's an old man who says, Christmas wishes do sometimes come true. And I was like, I know what I'm doing next this evening. I'm going to watch this movie. <laughs> so I watched it. I mean, it's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but it is entirely functional as an example of its genre, which is, you know, Christmas magic and romance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sadly, Netflix has started making these movies as well. They, this is uh, a Netflix we, original. This is yeah, a Netflix movie. Right, right, because they've, they've got a... I think they even had a, they had a, like a, was it Christmas Princess or something? And they had Christmas Princess 2 this year. <laughs> okay, I've got some catching up to do, apparently. Yeah, you're missing out. Yeah. Anyway, Die Hard is a movie set at Christmas. Jax365 says, what happens first? Parliamentary vote on the Brexit deal or Jose gets the sack? <laughs> We've, we have managed to avoid, I mean, we make politics jokes and in inverted commas they're a bit root one to be considered jokes but you know we make politics references occasionally we haven't actually had a serious discussion about brexit as it relates to united because well, it's when impossible. we were talking about omni shambles <laughs> earlier yeah there it is that's how it relates to united yeah omni shambles but i mean because no one knows anything about what's going to happen can't do any analysis of what's going to happen um but yeah i mean who knows? I guess a Brexit vote is technically going to happen sooner than Mourinho getting sacked because Mourinho's not getting sacked until May and something's got to happen with Brexit before that. <laughs> well, yeah, um, uh, literally does, yes, 29th of March, uh, at which point um, the UK is sent back to the Stone Age, I think, and uh, we all start having to hunt bison. I'm out. Or something. I don't want to do that. Uh, I want, yeah. ve- I want veg. Oh, can I grow vegetables? Is that allowed? You, you can, but the zombies will invade uh, your garden, uh, eat all your vegetables, and then eat you. Yeah, everyone who voted nothing, nothing. Which one would you rather have? Asked Sonia Verma, Mourinho's United manager, or Liverpool winning the league? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Paul. This one's oh. for you. Oh God. <laughs> Liverpool win the league, but Mourinho. Uh, how long? Mourinho how long gets is the boot? How long is Mourinho United manager for? If Liverpool don't win the league, like how long do I have to take him for? Uh, he's it's it's not specified the parameters. Uh, Maybe I'll get, I'll forever. Let you, I'll, no, no, come on, be real. Like, Until Liverpool win the league. <laughs> In that case, just get it out of the way now. Just get it out of the way now. They can win it this season. That's fine. I I would. I mean, if we're talking about for an indefinite period of time, then yeah, I'll, I'll take this short-term hit. I don't care if Liverpool win the league. That's the thing. Not really. What I, I, I care much more about enjoying watching United than Liverpool suffering, by far. Hmm. Related question. Thus, 963 says, now that we've been the worst team in the league, will Jose get a new contract? <laughs> um, Ten years. Ten years. He's going to sign it on the pitch. You've got to imagine Woodward hates Jose at this point. Oh, no, you, you gave me a five-year contract last season. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, another related question, VJ Rajan says, have you ever wanted United to drop points if it meant Jose was going to get the sack? Well, no, but uh, I'm going to caveat that uh, with there is that nagging 
voice at the back of my head after United win games, which means he's going to be around for a bit longer. So no, I want United to win every game 10-0. Uh, but we're not in a real, we're not, that's not real, is it? You know, and we're not playing good football. Um, and uh, so I, I definitely have mixed emotions. Yeah, me too. Because I want him gone. Yeah. Uh, we just lost on a thousand listeners with me saying that. Honestly, the numbers, the numbers are not. Look, we've 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 looked at the numbers. I've looked at the weenus, and I'm not happy. No, we've we've been we've been crunching the numbers, and uh, and Mourinho is not good for our show. Or or should I more accurately say, our reaction to Mourinho is not good for our numbers. Uh, yeah. Um, who will be sacked first, May or Mourinho? It's uh, uh, the same question. Uh, same question. Creamfield, Twinkie. It's so derivative, mate. Yeah, so just would you take Ozil? <laughs> no, thanks. No, no. There uh, was a there was a time when there, I there was done. a time, yeah. But I think in the Mourinho team, especially. I mean, I, I know Mourinho managed him before, um, but it doesn't feel like a good fit right now, does it? And uh, he's a player on the slide. Yeah, because he's playing way too much Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> That's true, and. Um, this one, final question for you from friend of the show, Tarek Amir, La False number 12, uh, on Twitter says, does the world really need a Sonic the Hedgehog movie? I think it's got some live action components to it, which is very disturbing because Sonic should not interact with real humans. Is it a live, are they spray painted uh, hedgehog, blue, animatronics? <laughs> not that kind of live action, a kind of mix of CGI and live action, Smurf style. Um uh, no, the world doesn't need a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. The only good Sonic product are the first two, maybe three Mega Drive games. Do you know there's a Smurfs porn movie? I mean, there's an everything porn movie. No, I've seen it. Of course you have. Yeah. I'm watching The Princess Switch on Netflix. You're watching Smurf porn. <laughs> um yeah, problem is you uh, you really can't paint everything blue and even when you do, uh, it rubs off some parts. Deeply disturbing. Anyway, on that note, uh, that visual note, uh, we should move on to a preview of the Valencia and Liverpool games. So, the Valencia game being borderline irrelevant, I guess we should talk about uh, a game which is never irrelevant um, and is looking a little sticky this time around. I mean... Don't want to say this out loud or talk about it or acknowledge its reality, but live. Uh, <clears throat> uh, sorry, feel a bit sick. Liverpool are top of the league. <laughs> Cough. No, they're not. <laughs> wrong. Wrong. Totally wrong. They're not top of the moral league, are they? I mean, I don't they know. Might, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, look who they're comparing themselves to at the moment. If so, definitely... so Mourinho's already said that Pogba will play against Valencia. Uh, hasn't he? So, right. which means he's getting dropped for this game. I mean, unless he has a worldie against Valencia, I, I, there's nothing you can do. Like because if he scores like a you know 35 yarder, it's going to uh, bust up against Mourinho's ego. Yeah, you know, if he scores uh, three worldies and has a stormer of a game, that'll definitely rub Mourinho the wrong way. He needs to just be playing simple balls all game. That's the only thing he can do. Yeah. Oh, and make a few tackles. And getting good defensive positions. It's going to be so good when Mourinho gets sacked and never, ever, oh, ever goes anywhere near us ever again. Oh, it's just the worst. It's the worst. Anyway. Um, he could really do with having a good game, though, Pogba. Yeah. You know, if, if only for his own form. I, I would 
I would be trying to get out in January, to be honest. Because the thing is, what are you going to do? I mean, unless he really just absolutely loves United, which we know he does care about United. It was interesting. There were a few pictures on um, on Instagram, on Pogba's Instagram story of him out with a few players. And I was just like, mm, if I was those players, I, I wouldn't want to be seen in public with him if I'm <laughs> trying to get in the team. So if Luke Shaw's dropped, um, we kind of know why. But anyway. Um, well, he was against Fulham. Oh, yeah. Uh, was he not? Was he not uh, injured or no, something? He was on the bench. Okay. Um, anyway, so Liverpool are a very different proposition this season. I mean, I've got nothing original to say about them. Um, they're a very different proposition ever since they signed Virgil van Dijk. £75 million, extraordinarily well spent. And a hat tip to a uh, friend of the show, Barca Jim, who for many, many years... Uh, was telling us at every opportunity he could that United should sign Virgil van Dijk because he could absolutely do it at the top level. Um, yeah, and yeah. Jim, I, I, I never really believed it either, to be honest. Well, you were very wrong. <laughs> very, very wrong, it turns out, because he's one of the very best centre-backs in the world, isn't he, at the moment? Um, sure wasn't on the bench against Fulham, so, you know. Yeah, I think he was injured. I, I, I believe I remember reading that he was unavailable for that game, or doubtful at least for that game. Uh, but anyway, um, the the Van Dyke thing has 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 changed Liverpool a lot this season. They 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 are not the kind of bombastic free scoring team of last season, but uh, they're much much less vulnerable at the back. And I can't help wondering if this game's going to be an absolute stinker. I, I feel like you know we talked a lot about Mourinho parking the bus, and and I would say that there's only ever really been one or two occasions he's actually fully parked the bus since he got to United and one of them was Liverpool away uh, in the sort of early part of last season that really derailed our momentum and I, I'm sure this is going to be an ultra defensive performance from us Yeah, uh, for, for a couple of reasons one, uh, Mourinho is going to look at the teams and, and think United are inferior uh, and that always gets him in a difficult position uh, and, and the second is that Liverpool are likely to have a lot of possession I imagine uh, in this game uh, because they have been, you know, pretty high up the possession stats this season. Um, so you know whether we're parking the bus or just can't get the ball, uh, it, it might well be uh, United on the back foot a lot. Uh, if there's no Pogba in the team, and I expect there won't be, he's going to play Matic and Herrera and might even play Fellaini as well, which will be an interesting trio in midfield. <laughs> Um, but then again, he has surprised us occasionally, hasn't he, by playing a, a lot of uh, attacking players as well. So may- maybe he'll do that and maybe he'll play like a, a front three of Martial, Rashford and uh, Lukaku or something like that to try and get pace into the team as well. So to kind of talk a bit more about Liverpool, as recent as I am to do that. They've, They're scumbags. They're, They're scumbags. That's, that's what you need to call them. They've conceded three fewer goals than Man City this season. Um, but actually their expected goals against is quite considerably higher. It's it's um it's it's a fairly substantial difference of like yes. almost that is what getting a decent goalkeeper does for you. <laughs> it is. Um ours ours is actually we've actually conceded more goals uh, than our expected goals against, which is quite some going. Um with David De Gea in net. Uh it shows that he's definitely not having that kind of standout season although he's made a couple of amazing saves uh, I, I think Liverpool's position unlike City's is slightly fortuitous and and I would be 
I mean, listen, who knows what's going to happen from here on out. But if Liverpool end up going through the season unbeaten and win the league, hats off to them. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I think it's it's they've won a lot of games by very fine margins so far this season. And they they do look like they are trying to kind of conserve a bit of energy and not burn out in the way that they have done so far. But But I think given how relentless City are, that Chelsea game aside... I think it's going to be a very tough ask for them to 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 overthrow City, basically. Yeah, yeah. And we're only a third or a quarter of the way into the season, something like that. Um, I mean... A bit... Six, more, nearer, nearer half. Yeah, a it's, it's definitely yeah. not a quarter. <laughs> wow, time flies. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, yes um it's uh, it, it it's not a you know huge call to to say that city are still the better side and and still more likely to win the title uh, but it doesn't look like a side a liverpool side that's going to go pop either and interesting looking at their expected goals against though because if there is any regression to the mean and they start shipping a few more goals than perhaps you know um uh we expect or has been expected to date then 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 that's going to change some of those fine games you know fine margins um uh, but still six goals against that's a that's an awfully good record isn't it <laughs> they're, we're, we're talking talking of six goals against okay so we're, where are we going to find a goal from at anfield i don't goals think we are from... I, I really don't think we are going to find a goal at anfield and i don't think we're even going to really be trying to find a goal i think the best chance is that that we score a worldie from a counter attack. I, I think. I think our. I think we're going to have seven shots on goal in that match. Like I. I. I, I think it's going to be. We're not going to create anything meaningful. Maybe. Maybe we'll have a bright first ten minutes, as as we sometimes do in these games. But I think as soon as anything bad happens to us. Well, actually, I don't know. It's weird because that does actually seem to be the one catalyst for us to be good is bad things happening to us. But and, and maybe the players will be kind of more up for it. They have demonstrated a couple of bits of up for itness recently. But I, I, where do you think it's? Where do you think good things are going to happen from set pieces? I'm not even sure that we're actually that good at set pieces. No, I was uh, going to say that seems like we're not that good at those. But but you know there are opportunities. Yeah, the thing I'm worried about is is if he does play that kind of midfield, it looks something like Matic, Herrera, and Fellaini. How do we get close to the Liverpool you know, box at all? It's I just going to be a huge gap. I mean, they push Fellaini up to play just behind Lukaku and bang it long. Is that is that the guy the 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 plan here? Maybe. Uh- I wonder whether he'll do what he did against Arsenal and play Lingard in the centre of the park. I mean, that was at home, though, and you kind of think they're not going to do that way. I mean, you have to say, like, uh, midfield is probably Liverpool's biggest weakness, isn't it? Because their defence is really clearly solid now. Their attack is obviously, like, superb. Salah just kind of just put his goal-scoring numbers back up to where he would hope they would be with a with a hat-trick at the weekend. Um that, that you know they've the Mane and Salah. I mean, Firmino is is like whatever he is. He's like a I don't I don't know what he's the falsest of false nines, and he he's such a false nine. He's basically a centre back. Um, but Mane and Salah are amazing. But but Cater and Fabinho have not revolutionised Liverpool's midfield in the way that they would perhaps have been hoping they would have done up to this point. 
No, that's right. Uh, but but it, like, I, I would imagine both of them are actually playing a significant role in in helping Liverpool not concede. You know, C- certainly Fabinho. I mean, he's not always been in the team, has he? Fabinho. He's, ha- he's hardly been in the team. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and Kate is a real all round player. I mean, he's definitely not a defensive player, but uh, he's he's not a pure attacker either. Um, so you know, it gives them solidity. They've definitely got more options than they used to have with those two in there. Um, and uh, they are always going to score goals, even if they uh, are being outscored by Arsenal at the moment. Yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal are so weird. They're the weirdest club in the country, uh, by far, Arsenal. It's so, it's, their performance against us was, it was just hilarious. Anyway, enough about that. We've talked enough about that. So I guess we have to do what we have to do. We have to predict scores for these two games. I I can barely muster a score prediction against Valencia. We're going to win 10-0, as you referenced earlier. We're going to beat yeah, Valencia yeah. 10-0. That's my prediction. Totes, totes. Yeah, the interesting thing, we didn't really preview Valencia, but uh, do, you, do you think he put a full side out? No, no way. Oh, I mean, do you mean, will he field 11 players? Yeah, no, I think no, he, he has to. No, no, I mean, I mean, you know, a near full strength side. I mean, how? how let, let me rephrase that then. How many changes is he going to make? I mean, he should be playing... Entirely reserves in that game. It's a completely, totally and utterly meaningless game, right? So the only way we finish top of that group is if is if um, uh, somehow young boys uh, beat Juventus. So, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not going to happen. And given that it's Liverpool at the weekend, and given, given that playing a full-strength side is far from a guarantee that we're going to beat Valencia at their place anyway... He's surely got to just play like Andres Pereira times 11. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see who takes that. We'll get a clue uh, soon, I guess, uh, if there are a bunch of kids, because he can pick from the B list, of course, in the Champions League, which gives him quite a lot of flexibility in terms of who could play. We'll see. Yeah. So predict a score for that game. I've said 10 0 to United. It, it, that's not prediction. No, that's nonsense. That's my, my prediction. Nonsense. Ten that is not your United. prediction. All right. It, okay. Well, why we, not? We, it's, that is no less nonsense than any other prediction I could make. To be honest, I mean, you I, should, you should, you should uh, put some money where your mouth is. Let's have a spread bet on that. Uh, what's the under over? <laughs> uh, the uh, no, I've got no idea. All right, I'll say a number that football results sometimes are instead two one to Valencia. There you go. Oh, you're so negative. Now you're predicting a loss. <laughs> Come on. Unbelievable. Leave it out. I'm I'm about to be really negative and predict a loss in a game I actually care about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, United versus uh, versus Yeovil in the FA Cup third round isn't coming up till the end. Oh, when, who are we playing? Reading. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm I'm going to say one all at Valencia. Why not? All right. And then why not? Because... <laughs> Because it doesn't make any difference and this is a game that's meaningless. Uh, so now predict a result, please, against Liverpool. Mm. Now, this is not like what you want to happen. This is the score that you think that it will be at the weekend between Man United and Liverpool. I think it'll be 2-0 to Liverpool. Wow. Wow. OK, right. I just want to say, everyone, stock up on tinned goods. <laughs> Like, Ed's just predicted a loss for Man United. 
Is is that the first time you've ever predicted a loss to United? No, I'm sure that is not the first time ever. Uh, it's got to be. There's got to be. It's got to be under ten times in 350 episodes. <laughs> I, I'm sure someone could go back and do the analysis of uh, exactly what our points total would be. 110 <laughs> points. 107 points. <laughs> No, you sometimes we sometimes predict draws. No, I think we're going to lose this game. I think we're going to lose this game uh, badly. Not necessarily like by loads and loads of goals, but I don't think it's going to be much of a contest. Uh, unfortunately, although you know, I, I was going to say United have kind of consistently surprised. The one time they didn't was against City away, um, where you know it was so kind of comfortably beaten. Um, in fact, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a three-one again, uh, like like that City game. So there we go. I think it'll be rubbish. But you've watched the Valencia game, more chance we'll win. <laughs> yeah. The the um we've come up with a schedule for podcasts over Christmas. Um the next one we're gonna do, uh we're gonna be recording on the 16th of December. Um so that's just in a few days' time after the game at the weekend. Uh then there's a little break and then we do one after Christmas. Um, and then another one quite close to that afterwards, and then one once once the year's up and running in the middle of the January. So all the Christmas games will be covered. I think the ones we're going to give slightly short shrift to, based on timings, will end up being Cardiff at home and the FA Cup third round, but everything else will hopefully be relatively timely, assuming there's no disasters with technology or travel or health or anything like that. So touch wood, we're, we're going to be able to put some podcasts out for you over the Christmas season. Thank you very much for sticking with us so far this year sorry it's also grumpy um it was nice when united won it's a shame and let's hope they do again this weekend because stranger things have happened true yeah um not many stranger things (laughs) no that's true all right see you at the weekend see you bye now